0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of uh, Meeting with the Experts. Today, uh, we have a valuable guest, Matt Somers. He's an executive coach for almost or maybe more than 20 years experience. And today, we're going to dig deeper on why coaching is becoming that critical tool for each and every leader in the corporate life. Without further ado, let's just get Matt on. (laughs) Hello, Matt.
1: Hi, Ahmed. How Good are you doing? Thank you for having me on to be here.
0: It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Matt, what about just um, giving a bit of introduction to um, to our audience here?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, so I'm Matt. Um, as you described, Ahmed, I guess I'm an executive coach, consultant. Um, I've been doing that yeah, for, for 20 years or so. Prior to setting up my own practice, um, my corporate life was in high street banking uh, here in the UK, which was very instructive in understanding um, approaches to management. We'll probably speak about that, I'm sure, uh, as we go into the conversation. And um, these days, uh, I'm tended to work a lot as well on the idea of coaching cultures you know where where coaching isn't just something that we hire in from the outside as a one-off but how can we take those same principles but actually make them uh, an integral part of of working day by day
0: amazing amazing Matt. i'm just was 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 looking through um um the previous um um uh, broadcast that you have been in and i was listening carefully to all the ideas that you have as well as i told you that i've been following you on linkedin and your great work there I'm really interested to know what is your story. What has got you into coaching?
1: Okay, so let me go back to to the previous answer. where I mentioned that I uh, I, I worked in in high street banking, and I was um, you know I, I got into that um, straight after school. This was common in the UK in the 80s. You could you could get a job in the banking industry fairly straightforward, and then begin to to work your way through in a in a structured way. It's a very good, very good kind of career path which I uh, benefited from. But anyway. You know, uh-huh. um, so, you know, I found myself attending a, a, a coaching skills for uh, managers program uh, run by our, our good friends, performance consultants. In fact, the, the late Sir John Whitmore. Um, I'm happy yeah. to report my trainer on that program. What a what a privilege that was, you know, although I perhaps didn't understand at the time quite what a privilege that was. Yeah. But, you know, a- attending that program, I suppose, Ahmed, was the first time for me that I really thought about The the nature of management and the the different ways one could go about trying to get results from a team and this was hugely, hugely influential on me. It began to, I think, help me understand why it was that that certain managers I'd worked for in my career at that point had been really able to get good results from me and and keep me really focused and engaged And, and other managers, if I'm honest, less so, you know, so coaching gave me uh, a way of interpreting those experiences. And it, and it would be too simplistic to say great managers are coaching managers and, and hopeless managers are not. It's clearly more subtle than that. But I think that we have probably always found that effective managers are, are natural coaches or, or instinctively lean into coaching type uh, approaches to getting results uh, from their team so for me it was it was probably that course you know it was a, a real turning point uh, in my career at that stage and and started what became then a lifelong interest like you you know in in coaching in in, in all of its applications
0: it's great i started re- i started relating immediately once you started i also started my coaching life with performance consultant as well so shout out to to this great people um long journey 20 years what has changed in you as a person having all of this experience as executive coach
1: (laughs) yeah i mean what what hasn't changed um what remains (laughs) the same Uh, either uh, way yeah yeah i mean yeah of course you know you you go through life and and you change and and actually reflecting on that i suppose one of the one of the big things that happened for me in, in my life that affected my professional life was becoming a parent uh, so so I have a, a grown up daughter right now. But when when she was growing up, this, again, was hugely influential for me. I, I maybe had this naive idea that, that as her father, what I was supposed to do was be the provider of the wisdom. OK, you know that I had all this life experience and it was my job to get that out of my head and, and into hers. But to, to, to my surprise, what I found is I probably learned a lot more from her when she was a, a small child than i was able to mm-hmm. teach her and it would be things like you know and the connection to to the coaching world is things like how it is that children are free from self-doubt uh, mm-hmm. until we teach them, by the way you know but but when they're small they just try stuff you know and they see something on tv that they want to emulate so they go ahead and emulate it And if they lack the, the tools or resources they need well then they'll make them out of a cardboard box or or something you know yeah. so that that creativity that beautifully pure uh, ability to learn um, from experience and, and not to question things all the time and to not let the mindset be affected by external things the way I mean she didn't care if it was raining or not you know she wanted to, to go out to play that day that that's what she did so I, I think um, we can learn an awful lot from children and I suppose it was my experience, therefore, as a parent in my life, and in many ways gave me um, a, a developmental side to my approach to coaching as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I want to kick, kick off our discussion today, taking you a little bit in the back. Um, yep. My coaching experience, four to five years in max, but I won't understand. What is your view on the leadership models 20 years ago?
1: Mm. Well, I think that um, I don't, by the way, consider myself to to have academic insight or or expertise. So, uh, please don't quiz me too deeply on the models, you know, because I might, (laughs) I might not have all 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 the great answers for students. But to generalise, what I would say is going going back 20 years to when I, I first started getting involved in this sort of work. I think that a lot of the models then were what I think we might term autocratic, you know. So in many ways, the the context was the the leader at the top of the hierarchy. Uh, yeah. And these models were about the the distillation then of their leadership influence, you know, a, across a traditional sort of hierarchy pyramid type shape. So what, what was very popular at the time I started out was things like management by objectives, you know, getting extrinsic rewards and, um compensation right but it was all really from that that top-down uh, paradigm and, and i think that's something that's really shifted in the time that i've been involved in, in the industry you know it's, it's less like that now it's more democratic and less hierarchical and, and that i would argue is a, is a is a necessary thing and i would argue it's a good thing
0: great so we're trying to what we're trying to say is the the style was more to leading by authority not by influence and sure
1: yeah
0: it makes me think now with with the maybe you spotted one big difference is that at that time people was leading by authority what is the difference today
1: well i think a difference today is that if you try to lead only with authority if your mm-hmm. leadership is it says the word leader on my business card or you know, job job title or whatever and and and, and that's all that you rely on, then I think you're in trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. because I think in the modern world of work, people are less deferential. Um, they are much more prepared to speak truth to power. Some of this, I think, is to do with multi-generational uh, working. You know, I yep. mean, it's at, at the risk of falling into stereotypes, I think that a lot of this, um, these old hierarchical ways are being challenged by millennials and generations Z and so on. And again, I think you know, whether we argue that that's a good thing or a bad thing or should or shouldn't be the case is irrelevant. In some ways, it's happening. And, and as leaders, yep. we need to respond to that. So I think there's a lot of, a lot of challenges to those old kind of norms uh, coming up now. And as those things are, are sort of challenged and dismantled, Mm -hmm. And I think what happens in its place is that leaders need to become more uh, able to access their sort of personal influence and achieve results through their ability to engage with people rather than lean into some kind of authority that's given to them by dint of their job title or or their place in the hierarchy, because um, that just doesn't work anymore. Uh, And I think, again, to return to your earlier point, that's probably something that I've seen happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite markedly over the course of the last 20 years or so.
0: Great. So, leaders need to move from authority to influence. They would need to get more engaged. And where coaching fits in this?
1: Yeah. I mean, let me just re- revisit that previous answer because I, I, I agree with that statement for, for most of the time, you know, but I guess yeah. there will always still be those occasions or those situations, and I'm thinking of the armed forces perhaps, or, or, or the emergency services, something like that, where clearly, you know, it, it would be chaos without that sort of firm, traditional top-down leadership. I think that's contextual yep. and there would still be a place for that, but that's not going to work if you're running a commercial organisation, you know, trying to make profit and uh, hit, hit your numbers and things. So with, mm-hmm. with that slight qualification, I, I agree with you. Coaching, I think then becomes the means by which leaders can make that transition. So I, I guess, again, when I think back to some of the early conversations around this, we were saying to leaders, well, look, you know, this um, commander control approach uh, is crumbling a little bit. It's not working for you. So you want, you want to stop doing that, but that's not enough. We we have to provide an alternative. Yep. Don't we? You know, we have to say to leaders, well, if that kind of, uh, uh autocratic approach to leadership is not working well let's present an alternative and i think that coaching is is that alternative i'm uh i have this this possibly controversial point of view that says when you become a leader of people you are their coach whether you like it or not i don't actually believe it's an option you know if you are a leader of people to me Ahmed, that's synonymous with with being a coach and of course You can do that well or or, or you can do it badly. But what I don't think you can do is kind of um, reject that idea that you can be a leader of people and not be required to to develop those people, to help them access their ability to motivate, to help them find their focus and all, all, all of those things that a coach would do or that a coaching approach would deliver.
0: You know, we often hear people saying coaching becoming a critical tool for today's leader. And um, when we have several conversation with many people, many leaders across the region. Um, there are so many questions about what coaching can offer. And some people, as, as you just just referring, we already coaching people. What, what, what are you here to, um, what, what do you do have to offer now? What is the change? What is the difference you are talking about? Mm. And maybe to lay down the, the idea for this discussion, um, today leadership, if we think about today leadership, what is coaching in the context of today leadership?
1: So I think that it's maybe at this point in the conversation, it, it's important to understand that, um, that there's two sides to this coin. You know, I, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today before you and I got talking is that, mm-hmm. you know, coaching, I think, has um, an application to, to the leader themselves. So leaders who hire an external coach or, you know, are able to access through that that organi- through their organization. I think that Uh, developing one's own leadership capability through working with a coach has massive uh, benefits. And then of course, you know, I would hope that 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 leader having benefited from being coached themselves would be keen to embrace that style in in their own leadership. So there's almost that, that duality there, you know, you, you benefit from being on the receiving end of it and your team in turn, benefit them from you becoming a more coaching style leader. You know, in, in some ways, I think that one of the side benefits of offering coaching to the leadership teams within an organization is that they begin to become inculcated in that that approach, that style themselves. And on almost it, it, even without any formal coaching skills training, you know, you, you can expect yep. them to see expect to see them being more like a coach to their team as they, are, are influenced by those experiences i'm not sure i've answered the question you asked me here i think I'm no I'm, i mean oh, you, you,
0: yeah, you like did it. very well you <laughs> did very well and i i wanted to in connection to that i'm just thinking about when we are having this normal conversation with a leader and we start talking about coaching and they have their own perceptions their own image of what coaching should be yeah i i start and often hear many ideas about coaching which is might be right might be wrong and mm. the question is what are the some common misconceptions about coaching in in today uh, conversation yeah. that you might yeah. have yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah well this I, I tell you what this is this is hugely uh, interesting to me and i think very important and um, you know I, I i would include i think uh, so some of the real common misconceptions Um, firstly that it that it coaching is remedial okay Okay. that coaching is something that we unbox because there's a performance problem so Mm -hmm. we hire in a coach or we we you know find some other leader outside of the reporting line and the the problem person gets some coaching and then everything's great and we 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 forget about it well you know I, I know this can sometimes seem a bit of a trite analogy but you only need to look at the world of sport to understand how um, reductive a view of coaching that is. I mean, there are in the world of top level sport, some yeah. incredibly gifted performers, they wouldn't dream of operating without a coach. You know, it's just an essential yeah. part of their their supports tool. It's, it's nothing to do with them being somehow poor at what they do or, or making mistakes or losing their way. It's about accessing your ability and using a coach to help you be the best that you can be. So so that's first amongst those myths. I think that coaching is only remedial. I think another one that leaders fall into is this idea that somehow it needs to take a long time. Uh, And I think that's allied to the idea. And again, another misconception that coaching must be this sort of formal process where you've got to book an hour, an hour in the diary and, and find a room or, or, you know, host a private call on teams. And it's this yeah. lengthy conversation. Well, and I don't think it has to be that way. I think it's perfectly possible to embrace some real key coaching principles and have a conversation with just a few minutes spare, but a conversation that could be hugely beneficial to, to that other person because they're, they're going to think something through to a higher degree of quality than they would do without that coaching support. And therefore, we might expect that we increase the odds that they, they come up with a better decision or a, a better plan of action. So let's not fall into the mistake that it's remedial. Let's not fall into the mistake that it's time consuming, that it it is it, just a one off event. Um, and I think the other one, uh, which which must always, I think, is. Uh, be pointed out in these kinds of discussions is that coaching is not the same as consulting or advising you know if, yeah. if what the individual needs is some consultation or some advice or some direction well then let's provide that to them but please don't call it coaching because it's not and it's confuses things and coaching is, is is very different in my view you know those that doesn't mean that there's not a time to be directive there's not a need for some good old-fashioned consultant of course there is, but we confuse people when we call those old approaches coaching.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm usually I usually remember this uh, when when we when we mentioned the the difference between coaching and advising. Um, working with a mentor can can show you um, how to do things, can uh, teach you how to do things, but working with a leader who is also a coach can allow you to lead your own way. To success, and um, I really loved how do how you break it down. Um, and now I'm I'm only thinking to ask you about your view of the um, the role of a coach um, in an organization. So a leader who who is a coach, who is a be coach like, who can coach at any time, uh, anywhere. Um, what is his role in the organization?
1: Um, I think it is to liberate uh, talent and and, and potential, removing the barriers to to that being expressed. I think um, uh, in my experience, most people are working in organisations at some kind of suboptimal level, you know, they're just not Mm -hmm. able, um, for a variety of reasons, you know, they're they're just not able to express themselves and and bring all that they might do uh, to their organisational life. And, And I'm not sure that that we would put up with that from any other asset. You know, we've got capital mm. in the business and we've got plant and machinery and you know, it and all sorts of other things, and, and we expect that to be deployed at the full extent of its capabilities. And, and we get all kind of exercised if it's not uh, and put that right. And yet, somehow, we seem to be okay with the notion that with our people, we can somehow just muddle through and that good enough is good enough. Well, it, it's not if people are capable of so much more then, then that, let's liberate that talent and, and deploy it towards furthering what the organization's trying to achieve. And let's point that talent towards uh, achieving a result. So in short, I think that coaching style leader it is there to get the most out of, of people. And, and that, that phrase, I mean, we've all heard this, oh, leadership's about getting the most out of people. And And the phrase is itself instructive in my view, because if we're talking about getting the best, out of people well then it's implied that the best is in there already isn't it and that what we've got to do is bring that to life somehow and 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 i think that that's true you know i think that good old-fashioned training and development uh, has always been very adept at at putting things into people and giving them more resources by way of knowledge and experiences but Mm -hmm. i think is about bringing that to life, giving giving expression to that. In some ways, if you like, the the marrying of the two things is enabling people to put their training and their development and their experiences to much better use by, you know, coaching them on how they might apply what they've learned in training or how to apply what they might have learned uh, through their various work experiences. So it's about mobilising talent and ability, I think.
0: It's just lovely hearing you saying, and I guess you used it twice, um, liberating the talents. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you allow me to share my uh, my experience for a few minutes oh. about that in particular. I mean, myself, I'm, I'm a leader on, on my role, um, and I remember very well um, working with some people who, when we sat in a meeting room talking about a task or reviewing a project, um, I kind of feel like people are sitting there and expecting me to draw somehow the way to the task accomplishment. So kind of expecting me to tell them or to to instruct them with exactly the steps that they need to follow to do. And um, those at the beginning you think of those people as doers. And we're just thinking that way, you are definitely limiting them. You are putting them into a certain scale and that's it for them. They are just doing what you're telling them. There are a good doer and there are a bad doer. People who you give yeah. them the task, they are doing very well. And there are people who need to hand all the way. And that was completely wrong. Or yeah. the when, when I started my coaching journey a couple of years ago and I took this back to the office and I start to adapting this coach-like attitude. And I always tell my colleagues and people I work with, the more powerful your listening is, or the, more, the higher quality your listening is, the more powerful your question will be. And I start to adapt that to any conversation that I'm having with someone. I start to notice, and this is like immediately, that people feel more comfortable coming to the office and asking questions, which is something that they are not used to. This is one. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, it might it might look a little bit awkward because the set um, they have a mindset where they need they have like certain expectation. They think that I do have an expectation as a leader out of them, so they are very much hesitant raising a question, right? But when you starting raising questions and allowing them to come up with the answer, this is just where you where you make them somehow start to dig deeper. Innerly and come up with an answers. Yes. At the beginning, as I said, it's awkward, but then as we go, I start to notice the second thing. First, they feel comfortable. Second, there was much more of a trust. So when they come, they don't have that fear of feeling judged, you know? So they are more open. And most importantly, the third thing that I notice about them change the change that I notice about them is I start to see them leading the way. So I start seeing them raising emails in their own without coming and asking what we should be doing in this, taking the lead, uh, taking the lead in certain tasks and taking actions in their own and eventually coming and sit with me and discuss it. And we go through it and we just, okay, we acknowledge the great work that you have done. This has entirely changed or magically changed the way I work with people from just them sitting there waiting for me to tell them mm-hmm. what they should be doing Two, they are just coming to have a certain review of a task, which is definitely have reduced my workload as a leader. That's one. Secondly, I felt like we as a team are working more efficiently. There are more than a hand on each task. It's getting faster, higher quality, and on time. So, um, totally, totally agree with what you said. And just... uh, as, as we're speaking about the role of a coach in an, on, in an organization, I wanted to also to raise the following question. What are the benefits of coaching for leaders?
1: Well, I think, you know, in, in, the, in the story that you've told there, Ahmed, you've probably hit on uh, the two main ones, which is an increased capacity to hit a result, Because Mm -hmm. people are going to be, for two reasons, I think the team is going to be more focused through uh, working with a leader that enables them to, uh, by working with a leader who can help them filter through the white noise, you know, there's so much going on in organizational life at the moment, isn't it, that if you're a leader who can enable people to tune out what's irrelevant, and, and be left instead with important things to focus on. Well, that's really going to mobilize people towards a result. So, so that's one thing. And I think the other aspect, uh, or, or the most obvious one, um, in terms of benefits, is a saving of time. Because if you're going to be leading a team and, and, and you're the guy with all the answers, you're, you're the lady who people go to every time there's a question, you're gonna be exhausted, you know, you're gonna have no time to do definitely anything else, but just constantly bat away this this tsunami of questions. If you yep. if you start developing people's capacity to think for themselves, then what happens over time? And I've I've observed this countless times you know so this comes from my own experience is that you you start finding people they'll still still come you know there's still a a sort of a a boss team member relationship but they tend to Mm. come in they're just looking for sign off for some permission hey boss here's the situation I've thought it through I've analyzed what's going on these are the options I think that option a is better than b and c so can I have your agreements go ahead and do that 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 takes minutes where if you have to direct all of that you know you're, you're talking hours or days. so you know it's a it's a kind of quick off the top of my head example but hopefully people tuning in will get the sense there it's let's draw an analogy again if i go back to the idea of of raising children which is in my head now yeah. and i can't take it but it's it's like tying their shoelaces for them you know so mm-hmm. when, when our kids are small and they come to us because their shoelaces come undone and for the most part we bend down and tied up for them again you know well you don't want to be doing that for the rest of their life you'll be a a a very busy shoe tie so at some point we instinctively recognize okay my child now is old enough I, I I can show them the the sort of you know the methodology but then let's have them do that for themselves going forward so same same sort of idea you know it's about it's about creating independence I think that the the most effective leaders are secure in the idea that their people can function without them. Yep, They are there to to sort of turn the machine on and let it do its thing, but secure leaders don't feel this needs to be the ones in control all of the time. Let the team get out of their way, you know, and and solve problems and get them resources, but let, let the team do its thing.
0: Liberate their talents and with that, you're going to save a lot of time and having more efficiency.
1: Yeah, you're going to liberate your own leadership talent at, at, at the same time, aren't you? You know, because you're going to be able to be far more focused on, on the things that you're there to do as a leader, because as a leader, the, the title suggests that you are, are there to get results from the team. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's tempting, I know, when perhaps things aren't going so well in the team to get we, we say in England, you know, get back on the tools, so to speak, to get in that team again. And you'll see this typically in, say, a sales environment where the, the sales leader, uh, maybe they haven't had a great set of numbers on a particular quarter. So he or she decides, right, well, I need to get on the phone and, and start selling again. You know, that I think is often a, a mistake because that's not what you're there to do anymore. Your job is to find out a way to get the team selling. Uh, To follow that analogy, you know, so leadership is definitely about that, that, that focusing of your, your talent in your team towards achieving a result.
0: You know, I'm hearing you saying that I'm, and what crossed my mind is, is a conversation that I had recently with someone we were speaking about, would you as a leader prefer to be a task centered person or a leader or human centered would you think about um, getting your job done on time by any way or, or getting the job done on time plus you have improved someone next to that who for the next job, he can lead that without you. And with that, you will be more efficient. So And, and, and then the discussion kind of extended to um, the challenges that today's leaders are facing and maybe the question is like you yourself are executive coach who work with um, leaders across the globe and the question is maybe in your experience you can share a little bit with us what are some common challenges that today's leader are facing and how can coaching help them overcome these kind of challenges
1: yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's such a it's 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 such a great question and i think a lot of that probably um, you know speaks to the experience we're all having now of living in the post-pandemic world i think that's crystallized mm. some of the things that were happening anyway or certainly accelerated that so yeah all, all of that post-pandemic stuff i think is creating real genuine leadership challenges around managing the debate around working from home mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know what it's like uh, where, where you are um, but here in the uk there's a real Uh, tension at the moment Um, people became uh, very used to the idea of uh, working from home they're reluctant to give that up many people the leaders in organizations are somewhat uncomfortable with that because maybe they see there are some real advantages to having people back in a co-working space because of what that does for camaraderie and innovation and just getting people together. Or there's some insecurities around the fact that some leaders are nervous that people aren't working hard enough if they if they can't see them. So all, all, all of that's kind of playing out, which I think is a real, real challenge uh, for, for leaders because there are no easy answers, Ahmed. You know, in my view, mm-hmm. there's so that th- those things aren't ever going to be resolved as a matter of fact, where we suddenly one day wake up and go, right, well, working from home is better than working in the office so everyone must work from home again you know this is always going to be a, a dynamic thing that, that where we need to find a balance and it's leaders isn't it that uh, are yeah. charged with finding that balance I think alongside that the so-called great resignation or, or, or quiet quitting people just much more willing it seems to me these days to depart from working lives that they find make them unhappy um i I think to my father my father worked in a factory type setting for most of his working life he found a lot of his work an utter misery um Mm. believed he had no choice really you know that to him and i think a lot of his generation, sadly that that was work by definition that this idea that you could kind of enjoy your work and find it fulfilling, just just wouldn't have landed with him at all. It, it, work was about toil and labor and these sorts of uh, associated ideas, you know. But again, um, and, and I don't think this is just a, a, an age thing. I think it's um, you know in terms of how we're all uh, probably connected now globally, and we've got much more insight to how the world of work. Uh, works across the piece is just people far more inclined to find work that they find purposeful and fulfilling and less inclined to stay in work that they find is a drudgery Um, so so that's a huge challenge for for leaders as well I guess uh, I I guess and then I think there's this whole kind of um, you know debate going on around the the place of work in our lives uh, alongside um, uh, looking after our families alongside uh, maintaining our mental health, uh, alongside mm. finding purpose and meaning in, in, in our lives and how we conduct them. So some, some big picture kind of global things going on that can often manifest themselves in, in day-by-day work-related problems that leaders in organisations find themselves having to manage. You will not be surprised to learn that I believe that if you know how to coach people, you have an advantage (laughs) in those things. You have a set of techniques or an approach, a a philosophy, if you like, that gives you a mechanism to help deal with those challenging situations. I I think that all leaders um, ought, ought to know and understand and be able to apply some basic coaching skills.
0: Amazing. And I I pretty much connect also the idea, because I face it myself, the idea of working from office and working from home with the level of trust that a team could have uh, among them. And um, with that established trust between a leader and uh, his team, um, they can actually flourish together. Um, Because for me, pretty much it doesn't matter where you're working from. It's all about how we communicate and two things, how we are progressively going on the human side and on the same time, how we also progressing on the task side. And with, with, I guess with more trust, um, you can feel that the people are um, ending up doing more work somehow. Mm. But the, the magnificent part on that is that they are doing it with joy Mm. Right, they are happy to do that because they choose to do it in their own way, and they delivering much more, uh, um, much more work with higher quality indeed. Um, challenges that uh, leaders uh, might face. We speak about how a leader um, with coaching mindset could help uh, enhance the team performance, liberate their talents, save more time, bring efficiency to the team. Mm. And now I'm thinking about, okay, we have an organization in front of you and today we're asking you, how could we integrate coaching into our organization? How could that uh, uh, be possible? And what may be the the basic steps that you as executive coach will be given to an organization to start integrating coaching in their organization or leadership um, uh, style? Yeah,
1: so I think... um there's there's a variety of ways that that, mm. that, that can be done but let, let me let me speak to to one example because i think this is possibly like like a quick win and, and one that okay. doesn't require sort of too much strategic thinking around it. And, it and it goes back to an earlier answer and it's to do with um getting more from our uh lnd interventions so so typically and you, you'll have been in this world and, and, and so have I. Um, there's a performance gap identified perhaps through a training needs analysis or it's a more mm-hmm. I- informal route to that but a, a training need has been identified. We line up a training course be that face-to-face or, or online or whatever that addresses the problem and everything else being equal we, we hope that we've solved the problem. You and I both know Ahmed that that works only so well. Now mm-hmm. let's take same situation, and pepper that with with some coaching, right? So yeah. the individual uh, in in uh, in the context of a coaching conversation is able to share with their leader with their leader that you know they find a particular aspect uh, of, of their work difficult. Let's then have leader and team member in in a coaching conversation explore what opportunities there are out there in the environment and in the marketplace to address that. So maybe they go about finding some um, uh, a training course jointly, or they decide that the training course might not be the best route to address that need, but perhaps a secondment elsewhere could do it, or might we be able to find a mentor uh, elsewhere in the organization? Let's mm-hmm. then deploy that training intervention, the mentoring, the secondment, the training event whatever it might be and then let's have a coaching conversation after that so imagine the person coming back the participant coming back from the training event and saying to their their manager or their boss or their leader here's how the course went Um, these are the three main things that I got from that and here's how I'm planning to apply them to my work in the next two or three weeks going forward but boss here's two or three things that really didn't work for me uh, on that training event. And I think that I've still got uh, an issue with going forward. So could we have a fresh conversation now about what I might do next, e- et cetera, et cetera. You know, all of a sudden, the uh, advantage or benefit that the organization gets from its expenditure on that training intervention is, mm-hmm. is multiplied exponentially, I think, simply because we've had a coaching style conversation to get that Uh, participant ready to learn from experience to to be focused for it to to know what they're looking for and to begin to think in advance about the difference that that might make their job going forward and we've had a coaching conversation afterwards so we're really if you like extracting all of the juice from that you know increasing the benefit of that learning intervention by really thinking much more carefully about how we do the implementation and embedding piece and we're Mm -hmm. using of a coaching conversation to do that so there's you know off the top of my head and in a in a fairly simple way i think one application of coaching in an organizational uh, setting that really could make a difference dramatically increase the roi uh, from from spend on training for example
0: with okay so i'm hearing you saying that with the, all the available current tools that an uh, uh, organization might have, adding coaching to that might enrich the experience and add more efficient to it and maybe guarantee sustainability in the long term, right?
1: For sure, yeah. And that's a, that's the, the example I drew was a, at a fairly sort of tactical or, or operational level, if you like. Um, but I'm thinking as well uh, at something at, at the other end. So if we take uh, a C-suite leader who is, is thinking big picture, is, is strategizing, is thinking about responding to you know huge turbulence in, in the global economy and so on. Um, mm-hmm. Well, placing that person and their thinking in the environment of working with a coach is, again, almost bound to increase the quality uh, of that end result because... Yep. The, the thinking that i do in the presence of a coach will be better than i'm able to generate for myself there was um a very interesting book uh written some years ago i'll i'll have to forward on the details after this and maybe you can put yeah. it in in, in sure. notes. But from memory it was called where Are all the coaches when the banks went down and it was written just after the the financial crisis here in the uk you know and it was talking about well if some of these uh, people who did the craziest of things in the financial sector um you know 2008 2009 when we had the the, the global crisis mm-hmm. if some of those people had been able to express what they were thinking of doing to a high quality coach well they probably wouldn't have gone on and, and 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 done it you know so it's this at the higher levels i think it's also the the sounding board um uh, attribute that a good coach will uh, provide it's the um, the ability of a coach to say, "Well, what if and what about and have you considered?" and and let's intellectually think about this strategic move that you want to make and project that into the future and think about well what might go well, and what might go badly. Do you need a contingency plan? You know, are there mm-hmm. things in the environment that could that could change that? So the expansive thinking that a leader can do um, in the presence of a coach hugely beneficial because. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but leadership can be a a lonely place and it can be difficult for leaders inside of the organization to admit to not having all the answers sometimes. I mean, in a lot of cultures, it's still quite difficult, isn't it, for leaders to have that level of humility because we still expect them to be equipped with all the answers and things. So maybe it's by working with a coach who sits outside of the, the organization reporting line, gives them that objectivity. Uh, to, to enable them to think things through, um, one level of detail uh, down, uh, if you like.
0: You know, um, I want to. I want to also uh, mention one life example from um, uh, my organization. What I uh, do day to day is we used to we used to do. Um, to share, listen, learn from you know previous mistakes or setbacks that we might have. And uh, it happens It happens in many ways and many forms. But what I notice is when we sit as a team in a meeting room, um, you tend to have less voices, right? And um, less participation. And uh, we, when we started to change that from just this open meeting where everyone is sharing his opinion about a certain uh, performance for a certain project or so, And replace that or maybe to add that was a feedback conversation. We have it individually or even with the team. And we ask questions like, uh, what is one thing that you would like that you would change? um, um, Or if there is one thing that you would like to do that could bring this farther or improve that, what could that be? And and questions, powerful question on on that, of that style. Mm -hmm. We started to see um, um, a lot of feedbacks that uh, Actually, make us take many, many steps ahead. And with this style of feedback conversation, we were able to get a lot of insights that we never had access or never had our hands on before, in the in the normal style of communication that most of the organization uses. Um, performance. Um, leaders think a lot about performance. Okay, and and when thinking about. Being a leader who's also able to coach people around him and be a coach like in his day to day uh, interactions, um, how could coaching help leaders to improve their team performance?
1: Yeah, so again, I I guess the the first thing that comes into my mind is, is that old cliche of working on the team rather than working in the team. Yeah. I think I come back to the you know the analogy I I, I used earlier on of how tempting it is be, because um again I can really only talk I suppose in in the main from my experience in in the UK but one, one of the things that's very typical here is you you will be a high performing individual contributor and so then you get the leadership job right so I, yeah. I have a friend of mine a, a speaker called uh Andy Hanselman, and and he has this lovely expression. His leadership is the one job you get by being good at something else. Right? You know, so uh, it, it's so typical, isn't it? You have expertise and ability in the technical side of a role, yeah. And you get the the job of being uh, the team manager, only to find that the skill set is totally different. Um, that the attributes required to get results from a team of people are are sometimes diametrically opposed to getting results for yourself. And, and a lot of people find that, that hard to give up. So I think one of the things that coaching uh, offers to a leader of a team, particularly a newly appointed one, is again, a methodology, if you like, for making that transition, You know, where it's not about getting you results for yourself. Uh, it's not about being directive. It's not about control. It's not about micromanagement because that's all dragging people with you. It, it, it's in some ways, you know, coaching is much more. Um, you, you spoke about leadership models earlier on, you know, so think about servant leadership, this idea that mm. as leaders, we're there to to provide support and, and to, you know, enable the team to to achieve its stuff and, and to help those uh, team members access their ability. I think that chimes with the coaching approach. I think that uh, a coaching style leader is able to achieve the team's results because he enables the individuals within that team to sort of achieve their results, or if you like, to to work at their potential. And if you've got a team of people that are working at the level of their potential or moving towards that, well then presuming that the hiring process has been fairly decent, you you might expect that automatically that team's gonna be better qualified or, or better able to achieve its results. So I think the short answer to your question there again is: is coaching is like this glue somehow, mm-hmm. you know that enables that that team leader to 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 bring his or her people uh, with them.
0: Great. Um, w- w- when you were just talking, uh, I, I I remembered um, that uh, famous said I keep hearing it over and over that you do not need to have any kind of experience in any uh, area of expertise to coach. Um, you just need to know how to coach you need to be a coach like uh, in order to coach people and to that particular set um i i want to tell you that how coaching have improved my level of confidence and um, with practicing coaching over years i can tell you that i'm now able to get into any kind of any sort of conversation regardless i do have experience about it or not And now I'm not really um, tempted by any kind of invitation to any meeting, regardless who's there in that meeting, what is his level. I can always sit there, listen very carefully to what they're saying, and raise the right question. And it's not only that I'm confident, I also add a lot of value just by asking the right question. And it's all coming from very, very simple skills um, that I use and with that is not only that you're confident you also sound more professional yes and you definitely bring a big value to the team wherever you are participating in
1: i i, I agree completely i i had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago i was lucky enough to bump into uh, a training participant of mine we'd worked together some some years ago uh, and, and this person was reflecting on that experience and they said that The the one thing, Matt, that understanding coaching really gave me is the idea that I could always help and I could always be useful to my team. They might come to me with a problem and I might lack the expertise to be able to solve that problem for them and say, go ahead now and do this, that and the other. But I can listen and I can ask, as you call them, powerful or or provocative questions. I can aid their thinking. I can help them. Um, with their confidence I can help them with their self-doubt I can always it doesn't matter what the conversation is if you know how to coach you are always able to help people uh, at least to, to some degree you know so what a, what a thing that is to, to to be able to have as a leader No wonder you feel more confident with those skills yourselves and it, it's a shame that we don't have more leaders feeling that way because the leader as expert model, is is becoming redundant, isn't it? With, with yep. a small part. True. Uh, with each passing day, and Chat GPT is gonna, another AI models <laughs> are going to take care of all the all the technical stuff, you know. And they can be updated within nanoseconds. It takes years to update a human being, you know. But what we can always help our people do is deploy and apply their technical expertise um, m- more carefully and, and to greater effect that's coaching so um, I, I think again you know the people listening to this if if they're a leader and they're, they're they're worried about their future well I would say look if you know how to coach and you can get results through people your your future is secure. there I think will always be be a need for that i I, I reckon that the robots are a long way away from taking over that that side of work um, clever though they are you know
0: In in connection to that, uh, you know, I I get involved quite often in in, in interviews, right? And uh, I'm not claiming that I have my own style, but I do have my own perceptions about selecting people that um, uh, we are working with. And um, as we need a a certain level of expertise and technical experience for a role, um, this always comes for me as the second priority. Mm. I never... I never prioritize experience or um, um, or technical experience over character. The way the person talks and listen is really important to me as I believe that anything, anything can be teached. Mm-hmm. You can literally learn anything you want if you do have the right mindset for that. And because of this belief, I always go to interviews and just think about the human, not about... His uh, certificates or his qualification, I only think about how he, how is his attitude um, uh, toward, how is his conversation with me? And we ended up, uh, when, we, when we were lucky enough in finding the right person, this is where we just, he learned very fast and he's more efficient. And the most important thing, when we are having a conversation, I love to ask that question. Yeah. When it comes to, for example, uh, decision making, uh, just okay. Let's say if you are in my position. You are the leader of this department, and you have to take that decision. What would be your decision?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you know that moments of silence after that, <laughs> yeah. and you hear beautiful answers. Yeah. What is important to me more than the answers is that somehow you unlocked an area within that person that it was not touched before, yeah. and from now on you can see him speaking up in the meetings without you asking him he wanted to bring his opinion because he already felt trusted yeah that self doubt that he had be- no thinking about you know being judged or you might be you now you might be wrong you're going to embarrass yourself stuff like that is just neglected because you yeah. give him an access to an area that he never uh, worked with before
1: well there's, there's there's two things in that that i i, I really want to endorse because i i think they're important and the first is that y- you know re- recruiting for character as you called it or, or mindset you know or, or sort of attitude um versus recruiting for skills and expertise i think is so vital now because mm-hmm. how how many people are, are going to be doing a job in december 2023 that resembles the job in january 2023 you know you you can just imagine there'll be two or three technical changes technological use of it whatever uh chat gpt integration whatever it might be that means over the course of that 12 months this expert that you found in january might be very much non-expert by december you know whereas if you've recruited for the right kind of mindset if you've got if you've recruited an individual who's very learning oriented, well, then they'll adapt, right? You know, and they'll just be flexible and they're going to be just as good at what they do, you know, after 12 months. So I think that's a really important thing to endorse there. And the other thing, Ahmed, within your story, I think is the that, that I just want to emphasize is the, the importance of asking coaching questions is not about the answer that you get from the individual, but it's about what happens in their head as they try to locate an answer in their own experience you know it's that reviewing their experience it's thinking it's deploying their imagination it's that it's the process of coming up with the answer that is valuable it's not necessarily the content of the answer now a neuroscientist might be able to explain to you better than i can why that is or they might have a you know a, a graphic that could show you neurons firing or whatever as somebody's trying to trying to answer the question but i think it's about you know the what what happens in their mind as they try to figure it out um it's it's setting up neural pathways and it's about in terms of their uh, which you know the next time somebody asks them a similar question they're becoming oriented towards uh, coming up with their own answers and as you've said throughout this whole conversation today what does that do to trust you know because if, if you're a team member of mine and instead of giving you a solution i ask you a question well doesn't that suggest that i'm honoring your experience you know i'm by by virtue of the way i'm communicating with you i'm sending all sorts of signals that i value your contribution i want to hear it that i think that you're just as well placed as i am uh, to come up with a solution to a problem you 're probably nearer to the customer, which means you you might have insight that i don't have as leader so it's a it's a massively powerful way of uh, increasing trust and, and the trust then um sorry but i 'm on a roll here you know the the trust then becomes a self fulfilling prophecy doesn 't it because the more yeah. trust I have in my leader the more comfortable I feel giving very detailed answers to the questions. And so we just get richer information uh, being shared between leader and team member, which has to mean we come up with with better quality answers and solutions. So it's very much a, uh, a concept that reinforces itself coaching. You know, it's, a, it's benefits in a loop.
0: Um, that's amazing. I think it, I, I, we can't get enough talking about this topic, but... Um, As we're moving forward, culture differences, individual capabilities, high performer, low performer, we get this in the team. And um, I was reading recently and also involved in a conversation with someone about meetings. Mm -hmm. And when we have a meeting, like um, you had, like 10 people in a meeting and you only have one hour set for that meeting. And you do have a clear target for that meeting. You're coming in as as someone who is leading or inviting for that meeting. You do have a clear target. What do you want to get out of of this room with? But then um, when you raise questions, you might get two percent of the attendees to that meeting responsing or you might have two or one or two loud voices in the room or the rest is actually not participating. And with cultural differences, it might get a little bit even tougher in certain countries. Um, uh, you, can, you can get people less participating or in other countries, you might find people more actively participating. With that, how can we use coaching to address individual capabilities somehow to not to equalize, but to have a fair distance between high performer and low performer in a team? and to give both a chances to flourish also thinking about how coaching could actually address cultural differences in a in our leadership model or style that we're using in an organization
1: yeah so i think let's 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 lean into um, to find an answer to that question let, let's lean into um, some some principles that you and i might recognize in individual coaching right yeah. which i'm going to suggest Uh, uh, are are three in the main Um, the the raising of non-judgmental awareness so that I get an accurate view of my experience and what's happening Um, the generating of responsibility so I see that in the end it's it's down to me I, I I can take action or I can choose not to take action and and no matter what the influences are around that ultimately that's that's my decision and trust. So yeah. awareness, responsibility, trust, ART, the, the art of coaching, if you like. You know, now yeah. I, I think that those self-same principles can be applied to coaching within a team or a group situation, be that in a meeting or or, or some other get together. You know, so let's firstly um, in, in that meeting, instead of firing out directions and instructions, let's ask those coaching style exploratory questions around what, what's going on for people? What, what's your experience? What have you, since we last gathered around the table here, um, what have you noticed working well in, in your job and um, what's working less well? And then of course, in a meeting situation, you can begin to compare experiences uh, around the group, which then gives a richer version of the picture uh, at the end of that process. Yeah. Meetings around then um, embracing the principle of responsibility. So, who is going to do what by when? Yep. In, in my long experience of having meetings in, in corporations, that simple phrase, who is going to do what by when, is just absent from, from too many meetings. So, great ideas just, just wither on the vine, you know, because nobody's accountable for, for, for taking them forward. Um, And then let's, in those meetings as well, embrace um, the coaching principle of trust, which I think from the point of view of the leader running those meetings, as you suggested, is maybe to do with a little bit around humility and some disclosure. So if the leader, him or herself, is experiencing some difficulties, they're they're, they're comfortable uh, expressing that, you know, again, Mm -hmm. that might require some courage and and some bravery in very deferential cultures where uh, leaders must be perceived as having all the answers to, to have that level of humility to start that, that journey amongst the group to, to be the first one to make that move requires some courage, but Hmm. boy, there's, there's a prize to be had there because it's going to set the tone for people. People um, take their lead from the leader. You know, they, and True. not much from what they say, but what they perceive them them doing. So if you want a certain quality to be present in the team, then really you need to demonstrate that self uh, first as, as the leader, in my view. I think that's very powerful. One, one final point on that, though, I guess, is, you know, let's, let's not fall into the trap of believing that um, – some people in a meeting being very quiet and not being very forthcoming is necessarily a problem. That might just be their thinking style. They might be somewhat more, uh, have a preference for introversion. You know, they, they might be neurodiverse and they just don't do their best thinking in a, in a meeting environment. So again, something that we can use coaching for is to maybe close some of that off outside of the meeting environment with maybe one or two quick, Individual uh, coaching conversations along the line of, "Hey, look, you know, um, I notice you didn't say as much as some of the others in that meeting. That's okay, but I want to be sure as the leader that I'm getting a full range of views. So, tell me, is there anything that you would add to the three or four comments that we heard in the meeting? So, so just give people that additional opportunity to maybe contribute, because often it's those quiet ones, isn't it, <laughs> that have really got the most valuable things to say and our setups." Sadly, don't always encourage them to say it.
0: Absolutely, uh, this is this is lovely. Awareness, responsibility, and trust, and 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 know you saying that I was thinking about when we are in a in a working environment, it's pretty much important to sit that co-creating agreement, which is, is a coaching skill, um, and let people know that this is whenever we are getting together, this is a judgmental-free um, uh, kind of environment. And it's okay to talk or not to talk. And, and i totally on your side saying that those who actually, the most quiet people in the meeting, they usually have the most insightful feedbacks. Yeah. Um, and also, when we're thinking about the, the, the part of responsibility, I'm thinking of, instead of going generic in questions uh, um, to everyone, you can have that individual directed questions to someone in particular and ask him, which is definitely more efficient, Um, If you ask him, if you would share that meeting, uh, what would you change or for that particular uh, item, um, what is your experience with what is what could you what could you add here if there is one thing that you would change for the whole idea, what could that be and stuff like that, which is definitely get the people more to the accountable part um, and and get definitely a higher commitment. I also remember having conversation with with one of my colleagues uh, um, of my personal experience um, trying to there was during the pandemic there was many questions around how could we make meetings more effective Mm -hmm. and uh, I love to do that usually um, before I go to the meeting I know what I I want out of that meeting so uh, instead of just you know, going the normal way and start with, with you know, the presentation and start to, to lay down the idea. And then we start talking about it and going in discussion. And finally, at the last 15 minutes of the meeting, we are getting to the point. Yeah. I just twisted. I just go, I said, okay, um, what is an ideal outcome of that meeting would look like to you? Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you start, you start people smiling <laughs> and just, you know, coming directly telling you. And it's funny. Right. Yeah. It's really funny because as some people would say, I'm here um, to convince you guys to do one to three, which is for us, it's already a subtle case. And we already have a clear decision that we are not doing that. So we can just directly telling him, OK, that won't work for us. But we have an alternative. What about that? So you can imagine how much time we just saved by raising yeah. just one question instead of going through one hour of discussion And in the last five minutes. Yeah. We're having that tough discussion and we're not ended up so we extend to another meeting. No, we're just getting the idea in the beginning and then we can have a little bit of discussion and have a clear agreement of what we want, both sides, in a fair way. Yeah. So so let, you've, you've
1: you know, lo- loosened a couple of thoughts in my mind listening to that, Ahmed. Let, let, let me share those thoughts ah. with you. I think that, um, uh, one tip, uh, which I've seen work very powerfully and i have used myself, is to, to share the chairing, the leading of the meeting you know the person who is the leader of the team does not necessarily have to be the leader of the meeting. So again, yeah. you, you want to check out carefully that um, somebody you might pass that responsibility to is, is sort of up for it, and, and coach them if they're if they're feeling uneasy. But if you've got someone in the team that's you know keen on the responsibility or wants to just develop that ability, well, why not let them chair the meeting? Yep. So so, so that I think is in line with the coaching ideal. Uh, and the other thing just on your point with the agenda is uh, another great tip which is not mine i can't remember where i heard it from but great tip is start with any other business right so we normally have 10 agenda items and any other business at the end and but that's what everyone's interested in is getting to that bit and also it's usually the any other business that's the most current and pressing problem you know some of those yep. other agenda items are probably carried over from last time and, and maybe are not so important so Perhaps, um, again, in the spirit of coaching and being uh, imaginative when we're thinking through some options, turn that agenda on its head and, and start with any other business.
0: When it comes to, you know, doing day to day meetings, I love to challenge my status quo. You know, I just want to go, you know, on the other side of the spectrum. I just want to go against the wave and do something different with people and see how they react. And it's OK to try new things and see how it, how it ended up. Yeah. Rather than just following the same old ways that we yeah. always follow and just that we are just living in this stereotype of managing things and results I'm um, not seeing any kind of improvement uh, I want to try yeah. yeah Sorry.
1: no I was just going to say I, I mentioned at, at the top you know I have this increasing interest in in workplace cultures and coaching style cultures and I, I think if there's one easy way to get a view on an organizational culture is, observe the way they conduct their meeting, I think it's hugely instructive about telling you, you know, the nature uh, of the workplace, the, the culture that they have, um, ha- how meetings are set up and run and, and what people think of them and and what they think about how much time they spend in meetings and whether they feel meetings are productive or or a profound waste of time. I mean, they're a part of everyone's life, you know, but um, people's experience experiences of being in meetings and the usefulness of meetings really does change a lot.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a question that we could use it to, you know, summarize most of the skills and techniques and tips that we, uh, that you um, mentioned in, in, in the, in the, in the great time that we already had. Um, You talked about the pandemic and, you know, the new era, the new, new setup that we're having. Um, And I'm thinking of how can, coaching help leaders manage and lead remote team you know um nowadays the idea that i could be here in malaysia and i'm leading people sitting everywhere in the in the asia pacific region and and maybe globally as well it doesn't it doesn't need me to be set somewhere to just to manage the team so what do you think how we can use coaching to help leaders to manage um, uh, and lead remote teams
1: yeah, so uh, I think that, I think there's two parts to that. On the first part, I'm going to go back to one of those principles that we mentioned um, in the previous part of the conversation, which is the coaching principle of generating responsibility. One of the reasons that uh, when, when we're coaching that that we ask um, questions rather than give directions is to make sure that the way forward with a given situational problem is the individual's own choice. Right? You know, it's this choosing to own a task and see it through and, and how different um, that is to, to kind of motivation and determination to, to see something through to having the solution imposed upon them. So one, one of the things that coaching uh, and, a, and a questioning style of coaching achieves is an increased sense of responsibility. So yeah. in the context of managing people remotely, that takes far less management time and attention, right? Because yeah. it's their stuff. They've come up with it. The commitment is higher. They are more likely to persist even when they encounter obstacles. You know, so so, so that's one thing there. And I think the other thing that the coaching approach does in a remote working context is enable us to move more into calls that are about Um, how are you doing rather than what are you doing? You know, I I, I know from many, many conversations that I had that some people during the pandemic were being caused so much stress because their bosses were trying to micromanage them in a remote circumstance that made that nigh impossible, you know, they were phoning them 10 times a day and demanding to know what they were doing and insisting that people got up early in the morning and switched their computer on and were, were ever present on the workflow monitoring system. And yeah. I, I just think that that managing people like that, you know, is just. Madness, frankly, they'll they'll just find ways around it, you know. So how about instead that we turn those interactions into uh, explorations of of how it's going for people, what they're finding comfortable, what they're really struggling with? You know, can we provide them with some more resources that would help with that? Uh, are, Are they are they overworking, you know, contrary to popular belief? People who are working remotely are not just doing the minimum necessary to get by. Some of those people are so self-conscious about the standard of their work that they're almost doing too much. You know, they feel they've got to compensate uh, for the fact that people aren't observing what they're doing by clocking up even more hours. And, and, And none of those things correlate necessarily with achieving a result. It's just clocking up hours, you know. So I think that if we have. Uh, conversations with people with whom we work remotely that are more to do with understanding their experience than they are to do with kind of workflow monitoring or then we're setting people up for for their success and they will begin to self-select the right actions. You know, they're going to be much more able to decide for themselves what are the priorities here? How do I respond to changing requirements in, what my customers are giving me or, or or whatever it might be. It's about making people independent yeah. um, so that the very need for more and more calls with people when we're working remotely, you know, just, just, just drops or, or better yet, let's have our team members reaching out to us saying, Hey boss, we've not spoken for a while. I need a call with you. Can can we set something up? Wouldn't it be fantastic if the need for the remote calls was coming from the team upwards rather than being imposed uh, from the boss downwards, then you'd know you had a coaching culture.
0: <laughs> you know, you, you're talking and I'm just smiling. And I remember my, uh, my ex-boss and um, uh, my experience with him was, 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 was a game changer. Um, when I started working with him, um, I was more of m- many other colleagues who was seeking validation uh, right. of their bosses. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And when we don't talk so often, I feel like there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I couldn't function. I just, why we are not following up. And as we, as as I start to learn his style, and we have a call from time to time, and in the call, he just asked me a very thought-provoking questions about my tasks. Mm. And he's not focusing on the result rather than focusing on what did I do. Mm-hmm. And that seriously changed the way I think about myself interacting with my boss. That I don't need his validation for me to feel okay or to feel good about what I'm doing. That validation needs to come from within. Yeah. I need to feel I need to I need to feel my worth. I need to know who really I am and what I'm capable of doing. Sure. And I realized that he actually helped me, Is helping me to realize who I am and what I'm capable of doing because basically his conversation with me was more of summarizing the achievement that I've done. Mm-hmm. And with him acknowledging that, not only acknowledgement, that just celebrating this little achievement with me makes me feel great about myself. And I come to the conclusion that, yeah, I don't need to be like seeing him every day, stepping in his office every day and telling him about every step I'm doing. No, I can Uh, independently uh, manage my own work and then just we can have that follow-up conversation of what we're doing which is great it's really great
1: absolutely so you know I think again to try and find you know ways of of capturing the essence of all of this a coach in my view Ahmed whether that's an external coach or whether that's a a leader in an organization uh, adopting that approach a coach enables us to do our very best thinking You know, isn't that, again, I would suggest an incredibly effective thing for a boss to do to enable his or her team to do their very best thinking that that absolutely has to have uh, a direct correlation with results. How how could it not? You know, if we increase the quality of thinking, we're going to increase the quality of decision made or, or, or action taken. So coaches should enable us to do our very best thinking.
0: That's really, that's lovely. If we increase the quality of thinking, we're going to increase the quality of decision-making. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, when you talk about raising uh, or increasing the sense of responsibility, I and just in the context of, 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 of re- working remotely, I, I think with my interaction, my own interaction with people and my experience and what I hear from other colleagues about how do you manage uh, their team remotely is that when people have a sense of responsibility, they do the things because they choose to do, not because they have to, you know, the idea that I set a task for you as a mere manager, this is something that you have to deliver. But when we're discussing the task in a, in a human-centered approach, that what can you learn from it and what can we gain from it, that mm-hmm. turns to be directly and then take and set you responsible for that and take and take a clear action steps with, with a, a time frame and sit responsible for it, it makes you more toward the idea of I'm doing that because I choose to do it. Absolutely. Not because I'm I have to do it. It's a big difference in the way people think.
1: It's 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 massive. And it's like, you know, you, if you're my boss, you can you can compel me to do something, but only I can choose whether or not to do it well. <laughs> That's great isn't it and, and okay there, there might be all sorts of consequences to me to be not doing it well but you that's that's for me to decide you know whether I want to what what set of consequences do I do I want to have and and so you know no wonder there's this sort of quiet quitting going on and this idea of people just doing the minimum necessary to get by because their bosses are not um, providing an environment in which they can do good work that's fulfilling and and purposeful, you know, so they're just going to be like ants in an hill, running around doing stuff, but that that's not the same as achieving uh, an outcome uh, or a result, you know, so again, yeah. coaching is because it's about, coaching is about engaging hearts and minds, isn't it? You know, it's about activating people's uh, sense of um, self-pride in, in, in their work and often re-engaging them uh, in, in their work if they've found it to become sort of dull or um, or, or uh, making them miserable. Uh, it probably wasn't like that when they started, right? Or, you yeah. know, they joined the organisation. So people sometimes fall out of love with their work and maybe coaching is a way of he- helping them uh, restore that. Again, uh, I can't remember who said it, but the lovely line of um, it- it- it's awful when people have to quit and go, but it's worse when they quit and stay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this idea that if somebody's kind of there but they've completely disengaged, well you know that that's not even neutral is it they're, they're probably having quite a detrimental effect on the the rest of the the team in terms of relationship with colleagues and so on so huge um huge amounts of multiple multiple benefits to to the coaching approach some of which you'll be able to measure with a number in terms of business outputs so yeah. Others are more, more subtle i suppose as we've discussed uh today but you just just a vast array of benefits to, to spending a little time learning the coaching approach as a leader because you, you can learn it pretty quickly, right? I mean, I always say yeah. it's like chess, you can spend a lifetime wanting to be a grandmaster. Uh, and like chess, I'm not sure with coaching that you would ever be able to declare yourself a, a grandmaster, but you can learn the moves very quickly, you know. Some some of the uh coaching approaches that that I might teach or you might, you can learn in an afternoon, you know, and then it's about Trying them out and practicing, and getting feedback from people, and learning through your own experience.
0: Totally agree on the coaching side. Over 30 years, I'm trying to be as good as I'm expecting on chess, and mm, I'm not that near. (laughs) I I
1: fully expect that my my time on this earth will end before I can declare that I I know all there is to know about coaching. You know, because it's a it's a race without a finish line. That to me is is what makes it so so enticing it's it's always every time i coach someone every time i sit down with a group and, and help them learn about coaching i, I discover new things you've today you loosened all sorts of thoughts in my mind you know things i haven't thought about for a long while or just occurred to me and you this is this is the beauty of it
0: yeah i mean i have to say this i mean each time each time i do a coaching conversation um i start to know myself better, mm. this moment when you able to recognize your human tendencies flying away around your head, and the idea, or maybe the moment you're able to recognize them, mute them, or eliminate them, this is so much powerful for me as a coach and as human, because hey, I'm I'm actually knowing myself better, yeah. and I, I I know that I can be judgy sometimes, and not only this, I. I can be able to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. So it's just that how much insights you can get as a coach or even someone who's trying to coach people, mm-hmm. uh, just by doing that with others. It's not just um, uh, on the on the side of the coachy, It's definitely two ways uh, of learning.
1: Absolutely. Now, you you know um, uh, Tim Galway, the author of the Inner yeah. Game series, hi- highly influential in, in the coaching yeah. world. We have a, an entire another podcast talking about, you know, his ideas, but um uh I was lucky enough to to spend some time with him and he said to me, you know, Matt, a coaching conversation is one in which two people are learning at the same time. And I just thought that totally. was that was beautiful, you know, because uh that that's that's a that's a wonderful thing. And and true certainly in your experience and, and true certainly in mine as well, that I've probably learned more about coaching um, from from doing it, you know, than, than I ever have from learning it from from other more experienced coaches. And if you can blend those two things, of course, then then you're really onto something.
0: Absolutely, it's about more doing rather than uh, learning. I, I have to say. So, um, my question is getting less and less. That's kind of sad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how leaders could pick up the right model, or maybe the right coach for their yeah. needs.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to be possibly a little bit controversial here mm. and say, be careful of being seduced by qualifications. Mm-hmm. So I, I see quite quite a lot of this going on on, on LinkedIn, you know, the extent to which um, a coaching qualification or some credentials are indicative of um, the quality of of coaching so um, I, i'm not saying those things have no value um, i think that they do um, but equally there are some people who who started coaching a long time ago you know before the business schools and things created their programs who are doing some incredibly effective coaching without ever having that ratified by way of a qualification you know so it's it's an indication i think of somebody who might be well-placed to be a good coach to you, but it's not the only one, and I wouldn't make that the only criteria. I think there's little substitute for really engaging with that coach uh, pre-sale, for for want of a better expression, um, asking what their experience has been, um, understanding what uh, their background is, the sort of approaches that they might employ, who have they worked with previously, would they be prepared Mm -hmm. to speak to somebody who might be uh, able to give you a, t- a testimonial and so on. I would be very, very nervous of any coach that asks you to commit to a contractual relationship without having some kind of exploratory, we call it the chemistry call, you know, um, in, in advance, so that the two of you can establish whether or not you're you're a correct fit. Because it is art, not science. So you're going to have to form a chemistry and those things aren't guaranteed, you know. And th- there's been plenty of instances uh, in the time I've operated as a coach where I've had to sort of admit to a potential new client that I, I'm not sure that I'm the right person for you. I don't have the correct kind of background or experience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure um, we're, we're going to be able to make it work. And I think that that's okay. You know, I, I think that's better actually than embarking on a relationship that isn't, um, it isn't going to get either party anywhere. So in terms of leaders finding the right coach for them, um, yeah do do your factual stuff around you know have a look at the website or linkedin profile or whatever check out the qualification but i think you might be able to discern more from checking out who else they might have worked with and having your own conversation with them i think most good coaches would tend to offer that in the way that they structure their program some kind of you know half hour or or even an hour long chemistry call just to just to see if you have that rapport um does that answer the question,
0: Ahmed? Absolutely. Um, and I, I wanted, I already have it on my list. I want really to give you a chance to tell us about the, the I had a chance to have a look at, at, uh, at, at your website as well as your LinkedIn profile. And I want to give you a chance right after this question to speak up a little bit about it and what kind of services you actually provide. It could be helpful for many people who are watching us on this uh, channel. Um, my very last question. Um, how can, now, now, okay, we speaks about uh, how important coaching is, what are the tips and tricks, coaching techniques and skills, how can we learn, how can that help leaders um, get their performance better, um, enable their teams to, you know, unlock their potential, uh, build a better team, have more efficiency, save time, lead remote teams, many, many ideas we discuss in this um, yeah. amazing session. But now with having all of that, as a leader, you're becoming a coach now, or you're working with an external coach. How could you measure the effectiveness of your coaching program? Mm.
1: Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a tricky one because there are only a few ways that you can do this in a, in a quantitative way. All right. So mm-hmm. there are, um, you know, there are equations out there and most of them will be some kind of version of, uh, you know, can you can you track a business improvement? multiply that by the percentage you think of that improvement is due to the coaching took place multiplied by the faith you percentage basis faith you have in the quality of your estimate, you know, and you, and you end up with, with a number. So that's, there are some rigorous ways that you can do it, but I think in the end with something like coaching, you are talking about a more qualitative type assessment of an outcome. So Mm -hmm. really it's about what, what do you notice in terms of changed behavior? Um, Can you do some 360-style data gathering by talking to the leader themselves, talking to their people, maybe talking to some of their internal customers, and form a picture of change over time Mm. by, um, uh, you know, interrogating a number of data sources really to, to to build up that complete picture, but. I understand that much of that by its very nature is going to be more anecdotal than it is empirical. You, you know, it's just mm-hmm. some of these things don't don't kind of work in, in numbers. And um, you, you could tie yourself in knots trying to come up with something very technical uh, by way of assessing this. I think your own eyes and ears sometimes you know might be might be as good an indication as as, as you're going to get.
0: Great. Um Matt, um, I, I don't have any more questions for you and that kind of makes me sad. However, I want to tell you how how much happy I am to have this amazing time with you and the amount of insights I had from this beautiful conversation. I want to I wanna give you now a chance to speak a little bit about the service that you're actually providing um, um, that might be people listening to this episode interested to reach out to you.
1: Sure, okay. Well, I've recently just updated uh, some of the... The, the wording on my website actually and it now says uh, get coaching learn coaching or build a coaching culture so i suppose mm-hmm. in three simple phrases that that's what i i do for a living so uh, if, if somebody's listening to this and um you know they've got a sense of my approach and they feel they'd like to get some coaching from me uh that they'd like to have me into to help their leaders uh, adopt a coaching approach and teach them those skills, or they're interested in exploring how they might uh, create a coaching culture in their organization, then those are the conversations that, that I love to have, you know, and uh, whether or not those things um, e- e- ever leads to uh, to kind of a commercial arrangement, well, let, let's see. But I just love having the conversations uh, in the first place and we'll see where we go with them, you know, but it's such a, I think, just such a fascinating topic for me um, I, I want to do anything I can to help anybody take coaching forward uh, in their organisational life because it helps, right? You know, and uh, why not? Let, let, let's do that. And uh, if I can make uh, some money out of doing that alongside helping people, well, then even better. So, Definitely. anyone listening to this that, that wants to get in touch, um, I've got a website at mattsummers.com or my LinkedIn profile. I, I guess is out there. Uh, find me on LinkedIn at Matt Summers, and I would just love to hear from you.
0: For our audience, I'll definitely drop the links in the description box. All the links that you might need to reach out to uh, Matt, LinkedIn profile or his website. Matt, thank you very much for the amazing time. Thanks for accepting our invitation. I definitely uh, pleased to have um, to enjoy this um, very short time with you. Hoping to maybe have more discussions in the future. Thanks again be- for you yeah. and for your time, and for our audience today. Thanks for watching us. Don't forget to um, um, share your thoughts in the comment section. And till the next time, thank you very much. See you soon.